At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. A warm up for the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Pierce. And now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, we've got a great podcast for you. And we're going to be keeping this one a little bit shorter. We're going to keep it to two segments because... It is a Merry Christmas Day and a Merry whatever holiday you celebrate, whether that be Kwanzaa, Festivus, Christmas, Hanukkah, you're able to go down the list. It is a holiday season, so wherever you are, whatever you are celebrating, hopefully you're with friends, family, and enjoying the day. As in segment number two, we're going to be joined by Tristan Freeman. Do not fear. This is a podcast interview that we did about 48 hours ago. Did not want anyone working on either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. But with that said, we're going to be joined by him. Taking a look at some of the teams that we're going to be seeing today in the Diamond Egg Classic. And we're also going to be chatting with him about some of the surprise teams that we've seen to the positive and the negative today. And going to be diving into a little bit of the ACC landscape as He's out there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, taking a look at all that we're getting there. And then in the final segment, I'm going to give you guys picks and analysis on the five games that we've got today in college basketball as we had some bank shots. Obviously, no recap since there's nothing that went down yesterday in college basketball. And if you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Janet underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other way, that's fine, an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Vad that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions yesterday as, well, we didn't have any games yesterday, so let's get right into it. Let's get into our chat with Tristan Freeman, and he does terrific work over at Fansided's coverage of college basketball. That would be busting brackets. A man that is based out there in the great state of Pennsylvania taking a look at everything that we are getting in college basketball. And you are able to follow him on Twitter at Hoopsnut351. And Tristan, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Tristan, we're going to be talking about some of the teams that have surprised us to the positive and the negative. And I know that you do a great job of taking a look at the Pittsburgh area teams. And I do want to lead off with the Atlantic time because when it comes to disappointments in college basketball, I think the entire conference along with some of those bottom teams in the ACC, they are exhibit A of this. And what have you made out of everything? Because the team that you cover in Duquesne, honestly, I've been a little bit surprised with how well they've played, but they've really been the only good surprise in an Atlantic 10 that just night in, night out has surprising loss after surprising loss. I think when you look at the mid-major leagues like the A-10, it comes down to the top teams that you expect it to play well in St. Louis State and VCU and all have underachieved. 
Dayton lost their two key guards, Malachi Smith and Kobe Elvis, and who knows when they'll come back. But then St. Louis doesn't really have that excuse. They had everyone brought back Javante Perkins, let them in score a couple years ago, and they're coming off a loss to SIU Edwardsville. It's looking like a one-bit league in that conference, and, and it's rough because there's a lot of expectations coming in because they had two top 25 caliber teams, and VCU is always supposed to be a contender itself. So, We'll see what happens in league play, but right now the A-10 has to be considered one of the bigger losers so far this season. Yeah, it certainly has been really rough for them, and obviously they're a big negative in college basketball that entire conference, and I felt like that was worth highlighting to start out with. But who are some of the other positives and negatives that you've been looking at? Because we're now just getting done with non-conference play. We're going to have a few lingering games the week after Christmas, but by and large, most of the non-conference slate is done. Going into conference play, who are perhaps a few teams or a conference or two that you've either been pleasantly surprised by or vice versa. It's been a rough year for them. Yeah, I think as bad as the eight tenants look, the Mountain West has looked very good collectively. You look at teams like New Mexico, who who's still unbeaten, UNLV and Utah State with just one loss, San Diego State you know, quietly has sort of underachieved a bit, but but it's fine because considering what the rest of the league has done, only really Wyoming has struggled, but that's because they haven't had Graham Ike for the season. So I think the Mountain West has been a nice surprise. On the other hand, you can argue that the ACC is disappointing a bit, but a part of that just has to do with that they're outside of Louisville. Everyone else has shown levels of competitiveness. Florida State, after a horrible non-conference, his 2-1 and in league play, Boston College got a big win over Virginia Tech. I think the league itself did an okay job in, in a non-conference, but if the first couple weeks of league play in the ACC is a sign of things to come, they could be looking at only three to four bids for the NCAA tournament once again. We shall see how they're able to do moving forward as we do have Tristan Freeman of Boston Brackets joining me right here on the podcast and then... In terms of the ACC as a whole, I know that the team that you cover in Pittsburgh, it's been very much, I think it's fair to say, an up and down season, but a little bit more up than down with them. How do you gauge them and sort of the hierarchy of the ACC? Because I know that there were some people I put Pittsburgh last coming into the season, which, you know me, I was not one of those people I put Pittsburgh last. I gave them a little bit more credit where credit is due, and I do think that Pittsburgh has a chance to be a middle-of-the-road team. I don't think that they're going to be able to rise up compete with the likes of Virginia, Miami, and obviously you still have Duke, North Carolina, which they've taken some losses. They're going to be fine, in my opinion. But when it comes to Pittsburgh, I think that they've honestly played some nice basketball. And when they've had their pieces whole in the backcourt, this has been a team that has been able to put a good product out there. Yeah, and they have three true road wins, which is pretty impressive for any team to this point. And they already have a couple of league wins over NC State and Syracuse, who two teams that aren't going to be in the bottom. So when it comes to battle, the middle tier, Pitts looked good so far. They got nothing from John Hughley, who's still recovering from knee, from knee injury. And Dior Johnson, who was supposed to be one of the top two or three best players, has been suspended at this point. Although, with his charges being pleaded out, there's a chance that he could join the team in the next couple of weeks. So who knows what will happen with, with the Panthers. Blake Henson has been an, an all-conference player. Nelly Cummins and Jamarius Burton's been an excellent backcourt, and Greg Elliott's given the team a must-needed shooting boost. So while it's early to tell Pittsburgh has any kind of postseason hopes, they've shown so far that they're a team that can be very competitive in league play and can still get better depending on what happens with Hughley and Johnson. With 
the Dior Johnson situation. Certainly not one of the most savory of them, but if they're able to get them back out there in the fold, that could be very, very beneficial for them. So we shall see what happens on that front. And just in terms of some of those top ACC teams, I do think that they're intriguing to take a look at because with North Carolina, I think that perhaps the preseason expectations were too high on them. And I will put myself in that category, being someone that put them a little bit too highly. I thought that they were the top team in college basketball. Clearly they are not that. I also don't think that they're the team that started out 500 to begin the season as well. I think that the three-point shooting is going to pick up. I think the bigger question mark is Duke, just because with Duke, they've been dealing with the injuries to Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead. They missed their last game against Wake Forest. And I think that Duke has perhaps the most boom or bust potential, perhaps of any team in college basketball, because if you have Lively and Whitehead out there fully healthy, living up to expectations, that Duke team can really make some noise and march as they gel together. But if they don't develop, I feel like Duke could be a very pedestrian team moving forward as well. I honestly don't know what to make of this Duke team, because outside of Filipowski, the other freshmen have had their ups and downs, and that's to be expected. But are we expecting much from Lively in ACC play. Is Derek Whitehead going to be someone that can give them 15 to 20 every night? You know, Jalen Blake, who figures to be the last guard in, on the roster, has been out playing Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor as of late. So who knows what we're going to get from this team? I don't think losing to a desperate Wake Forest roster is an indictment on them, but I do think that they're not necessarily a top 10 team. And that they're going to take their fair share in lumps in league play because, as I said earlier, outside of Louisville, who even has shown a little bit of life themselves, there's no easy games in, in league play unless you want to put Georgia Tech in that group. But the rest of them is going to be competitive. Even teams like Syracuse and Notre Dame, there's someone where they can get where if they shoot well on a given night can absolutely pull off an upset. Oh, absolutely, and I just take a look at this conference, and you mentioned Louisville, man, that has been one of the saddest stories in all of college basketball this season, and it has been so intriguing to take a look at some of these top and bottom teams, and the thing that is going on right now as we do this podcast is the Diamond and Classic. This is a little bit pre-recorded. We are doing this now Friday evening slash Friday night with some of the back half of the Diamond and Classic games wrapping up there. Didn't want to have anyone coming on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day for everyone to be with friends, family, and loved ones. But with that said, in terms of this A-team field, what do you make out of it? Because just before coming on this podcast, we saw Iona be able to get the job done against Seattle. And with regards to the field that we do have, I'm very intrigued to see what we perhaps get out of Washington State on Christmas Day because they entered into this tournament at 4-6. and six, But I honestly think that despite the fact that they started 4-6, and six, I like what I've seen out of that. Yeah, Washington State season's going to come down to their guard play with Jake Bowens, who hit the game one shot, and Justin Powell. We'll see what they do in league play, but there's still questions about them, even though Muhammad Gay is an all-conference level player. There's not a lot of star power when it comes to the team quality, but Utah State will sort of make it an at-large case if they can just win you know, 25, 26 games in the regular season, which is capable, they're now going to have to win this tournament. They take on SMU Friday night, and SMU has struggled so far, but as they've shown against Iona, they're a team that's capable of pulling off a win. So I think all eyes on this should be the Aggies. We'll see what happens with the other semifinals with Hawaii and Washington State, but I'm interested to see what Utah State's going to do because if they can win this, more importantly, just avoid any kind of a bad loss – now, all of a sudden, at-large talks should have to take place with them. 
Yep, and just a little bit unfortunate that in terms of this VLS, Amir has had such a downtrodden year. It's been rough for them, to say the least. So we shall see if they're going to be able to right the ship moving forward. They were able to get a nice win over Iona, night number one of that event. So we'll see if perhaps that's what they need to be able to get kickstarted. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Tristan Freeman on Bustin' Brackets. And now that we are getting past the holidays, now that we're going to be getting started on the new year relatively soon, what is one or two things in college basketball that you're watching for, whether that be a team, whether that be a star player to a conference, what have you? What is something that is really top of your mind that you're very intrigued by because it has been a wild and crazy college basketball season. Over the last two weeks, we have seen upset upon upset. What is something that is really catching your eye and something that you want to see the next few weeks? We'll say the Big 12 outside of Kansas and Oklahoma State because I think two through nine can go any number of ways. You know, I think considering the absences, the injuries, and Damian Ball's suspension, TCU has flew under the radar, but they still have an 11-1 record. And now that everyone's back, I think they're a team that can be a top-10 caliber team once league play comes. And on the other side, Baylor, I think that they've gotten a little bit of a pass because they just haven't looked good in a non-conference. They're barely beating teams by 10 that they should probably be beaten by 20 to 30. They should have lost that game to Gonzaga if it wasn't for the Bulldogs' inexplicable late game guard play. Just doesn't look like a top 10 team to me right now. And I think we'll see what happens in league play, but I wouldn't be surprised if Baylor started out 2-2 two and two in Big 12 play and start the race in my brows. And then you have teams like Texas Tech and West Virginia who are getting wins but not necessarily in the flashiest of ways. Someone's going to have to be bad in that league. I think Oklahoma State's probably the worst team on paper, but who else is going to go 5-13 and 13 and 14-4? and four? Because it's a strong league from top to bottom, and someone's going to have to lose. And you can even add Texas. Who knows what's going to happen with the Chris Beard situation? He's currently suspended. How that team will move forward. I think Kansas has shown to be the best team in the league. Again, 2-9 through nine can go any kind of ways, and I'm interested to see who's for real and who's just feasting on bad teams in an on-con play. Yeah, Ben, Oklahoma is so intriguing. They're playing at one of the slowest paces in all of college basketball. A team like Oklahoma State, they're very stout down low. Do they have the guard play to be able to wreck the apple cart? Texas Tech has been a little bit underwhelming to me, but you know that they're going to play tough defense. TCU has been able to rise up ever since they've been able to get their guys back. You're able to go down the list. I am in a complete agreement with you there. I'm fascinated by the Big Ten, and I know that you, Tristan, you're going to be doing a great job of covering all things college basketball here. The rest of 2022 2023 and moving forward. You do absolutely tremendous work at Boston Brackets, and I know you've got a lot of things in the works. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media. Just what's all on tap for you? Yeah, you can follow me at HoopsNut351 on Twitter. You can follow Boston Brackets at Boston Brackets on Twitter as well as our site. We have daily articles coming up and pretty much just going to do rounding out the non-conference with pieces because starting next week, it's going to be all about league play, and I'm excited for it. Absolutely. We do get the Big 12 SEC Challenge. That'll be a little bit of non-conference play, but really past that. To your point, it all wraps up next week with regards to non-conference play. Then we get into these conference games, and it is going to be a lot of fun. And Tristan just does an amazing job. Take a look at the great game of college basketball. Big thanks to him for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Coming up next, We've got a few Christmas Day games. I'm going to give you guys picks and analysis on all five of them as we hit some big shots. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. We're back here in Las Vegas. We're just guessing with myself, Craig Spears, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it's always great to get Tristan Freeman aboard. He does amazing work over there at Boston Brackets, taking a look at the great game of basketball. And every single time he joins this podcast, one tremendous insights, just like he did, well, technically when we did the interview about 48 or so hours ago. And it's always great to get him aboard. Big thanks to Tristan. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on the five games that we've got on the college basketball betting board for today as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore 81. We're going to be going with the Big East game first, and then we've got four games at the bottom that are involving the Diamond and Classic, so that keeps things very nice, very clean, very easy, and we're going to actually lead off with the DK Nation pick here of 891-892 on the betting board. DePaul is going to be on the road facing off against Creighton. 
Green's between a 15 and a half to a 16 point favorite. And your total on this game is in between 145 and a half and 146 and a half. And the DK Nation pick is going to be DePaul. I'm going to take the 16 with them. I did set Creighton as a 14 and a half point favorite. And having Ryan Kalk Brenner back in the fold, that is absolutely massive for this bunch. There's no understating that. But even with Ryan Kalk Brenner in the fold, I do think that this DePaul team is going to be able to hold in there. Now, with this DePaul bunch, it certainly has been up and down, to say the least, for them. But you still have someone in Umaja Gibson who's able to be a great takeover guard for this team as he's been able to do amazing work with being able to chip in their 15 points, 5 assists. Does give out 3.3 turnovers per game, but it's also about a 38% 3-point shooter and a 90% free throw shooter. For Creighton, offense has been much more buckled down this season. About 11.5 turnovers per game. They shoot as collective 34.5% from distance with having Ryan Nemart be very efficient with the ball. 5.8 assists and 1.8 turnovers per game. His turnovers were nearly double last season. Trey Alexander has been able to chip in there 11 points per game, so I like what he's been able to show. And then, obviously, you've got Cope Runner. I mentioned he's a team's top scorer, 16 points, 7 boards, blocking after contest, shooting 44.5% from three. I think that's going to be coming down a little bit. Baylor Shireman is able to give you 9.5 rebounds per game or for the ball. They don't necessarily have that one rebounder on this team, but you've got Earl Penn and Javon Johnson. They've been able to combine for about 13 rebounds. You've got Johnson, who's been able to do a nice job throwing in their 17 points per game. He shoots 45% from three-point range. And then you've got Mr. Penn, who's a six foot six, a little bit of a combo player from Long Island. Not a great three-point shooter, but he provides a block, a steal, seven and a half rebounds per game. He's put up double figures in each out of the last three games. I think that DePaul has enough to be able to hold in this game. It is a DePaul team that they are leaving quite a bit of something to be desired in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. This is a team that they do rank outside the top 25 with that regard. And you do have a Creighton team that they're ranking just below the top 100 in terms of possessions per game. They're not really a super-duper fast team. They're not necessarily a super-duper slow team. And DePaul, they're more around 75th in terms of possessions per game. But I do think that DePaul does enough to be able to hold in this game. The write-up that is going to be on DePaul catching 16 points. I set them as more of a 14.5 point underdog. And when it comes to total, set mine at a 146 ass. So here between 145 and a half, 146, I'm going to be willing to take the over and the write-up. That is going to be on getting 16 points with DePaul. A 93 and 84 on the betting board. George Washington and Seattle do battle from Hawaii. Seattle's between a two and two and a half point favorite. Total on this game in between 145 and a half and 146. This is an 8.30 a.m. local time game out in Hawaii. And, well, if you're waking up and you have to wake up actually quite a few hours earlier than this, if you have to actually play a game at 8.30 local time on Christmas, that's a little bit miserable. I do think as a result, we're going to see some... Clunky shots in this game. I set my total at a 136. I'm going to be looking at the under. You do have a Seattle squad that they're a little bit above average in terms of possessions per game. And George Washington, they're more in the vector about 250th. George Washington does leave a little bit of something to be desired. And they really are a top-heavy team. You have James Bishop the fourth, with Brendan Adams. They've been able to combine for about 38 points, 7.5 assists per game. Adams shoots 34% from three. Bishop shoots 29.5% from distance. Ricky Lindo Jr. is solid down low. 10 points, 7.5 rebounds per game. He's able to pop threes, but doesn't necessarily shoot them very well. And then who I do like for this team is Maximus Edwards. He's been able to play to the maximus of his abilities, a double-figure amount of points in each out of the last three games. Overall for the season, about 9.5 points, 6 boards per contest, but... 
You take a look at the flip side for Seattle, and I do think that they are going to be able to get a little bit more out of more of the ancillary cast for this team. Riley Grigsby along with Paris Allison are combining for 19 points per game. Now with Grigsby, he seems to be just a little bit off in general. Paris Allison coming off of a big giant clunker that he had against Utah State. He missed the team's previous contest, so we shall see his status Moving forward, I've pretty much ruled him out of this one. That means that you're going to need to have Alex Schumacher be able to step up, and he did in that game against Iona. He had 17 points, 3 assists overall for the season. He's been able to give you 11 points, 4 boards, 3 assists per game. So even without Parasauce, and I do think that this is going to be a team that is going to be fine. The big key is being able to get something down low out of Emeka Odeni along with Brandon Chatfield. Chatfield's been able to give you about 5.5 rebounds per game, and he is someone that is able to have a little bit of stretchability. He's shooting 58% from three, certainly. That is an outlier. And then Abeka Odani just pretty much does a little things for this team. Four points, four and a half boards, two and a half assists per contest, and all in support of Cameron Tyson, who gives you 20 and a half points, four and a half boards, shoots 36.5% from three-point range. If you do have caution with Seattle, it is the fact that they shoot 67.5% of the free line. George Washington, more on 73.5% at the charity strike. But I do think that Seattle... They get it done, but I do think that's by a thin margin. I did set my number at two, so at two and a half or greater, I'm going to be willing to take the points with George Washington. I think both of these teams are going to be just a little bit out of sorts in terms of their game in general, and you do have Hunter Dean down low for the George Washington team. He's been able to pull in five plus rebounds in four out of the team's last five games. I do think that Seattle's free throw shooting woes, they might come back to bite them in this game as well. So, so my number at two, willing to take two and a half or more with George Washington. With this being an earlier game, I think that both teams get off to a rough start to say the least. Semi-total 136, also diving under. 895, 896 on the betting board. It is Pepperdine. They're going to be playing Iona. Iona is a favorite of any between seven and seven and a half points. Toronto's game is 151 to 151 and a half. Set this number at five with Iona. With Iona, they're dealing with a few injuries. Nelly Jr. Joseph should be all good to go, and he has been doing a tremendous job for the team down low. 15 points, 7 boards, a block and a half, a steal and a half per contest, and 20-plus points so far in the last five games. But that said, they were dealing with an injury to Barrick Jean-Louis in the team's last game, and he's been a nice part of this team. 8.5 points, shooting 40% from three, chips in there, a block, a little bit over a seal per game as well. That means that you're going to be seeing a little bit more out of Osborne Shema. Shema's been able to give you five points, four and a half boards. He's a seven-footer, but he's able to pop threes. Doesn't necessarily do so very well. Now, he did have four blocks and 11 points in the team's last game without him, so that is solid. And then that backcourt duo of Dennis Jenkins and Walter Clayton, they've been able to combine for about 32 and a half points, just under eight assists, and both guys shoot 39% from three-point range. You do take a look at the flip side for Pepperdine, though, and this team has been able to do an amazing job of bombing it from three, 39.5% as a collective each other. Top three scores. They all give you double figures, and they all shoot at least 40.5% from three-point range, and they all shoot at least 80% the free-throw line. He's a mallet, 14 points, a little bit over three assists per contest. Max Lewis, I think, is going to be a hard guard. Six-foot-seven combo player. Gives you a block, a steal, 19 points, six boards per contest, and then been able to get 11.5 points and four boards per contest out of Mr. Mike Mitchell as well. But what I think could be a really big X factor in this game is Javon Porter. Javon Porter has been up and down all season long for this team, but here in the Diamond Eye Classic, he has been one of the better players for Pepperdine. He is a part of that just very illustrious Porter family as 
His brother Michael currently plays for the Denver Nuggets. That's a family I'm talking about, but double-figure amount of points at each of the last five games. He's coming off of 18 points, 14 rebounds against George Washington. He's 6'11". Pops Reeves had a 34% clip overall for the year. A block, 11 points and 7.5 rebounds per game, but he's really starting to round into form as well. Now you need guys like Jan Zedek to be able to pick it up. He's only been able to give you about 6.5 points per game, but also like what I saw out of Jalen Petrie. In the team's last game against George Washington, 11 points, 6 rebounds. Pepper 9 didn't necessarily have the world's greatest bench coming into this game. The ancillary pieces, they're really stepping up for this team, and I think that that's going to hold them in there against an Iona team that is now dealing with a little bit of injury concern. And for Iona, the defense, it's been overall for the season relatively solid, but it seems to be having a few cracks in it right now in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Still a top 100 team, and for Pepperdine, this team is really looking to run in and gun it. They rank in the top 20 nationally. In terms of possessions per game, you've got an Iona team that is certainly far from slow as well, and with Iona, they're giving up about 22.5 points more per one hour possessions when they are away from home rather than when they are at home. That's a bit of an issue, so set my number at 5. I'm going to be willing to take the points with Pepperdine. I do think that this is going to be a relatively up and down game in a very shooter-friendly environment. Set my total at 152. I could see my game falling in this one as well, so looking at the 151 to 151.5 over, and willing to take the points that I'm seeing with Pepperdine was willing to take anything north of 5. In 97-898 on the betting board, Washington State is going to be playing against Utah State. Utah State between a 3.5 and a 4-point favorite total between 138 and 138.5. And I beat Washington State, the 1.5-point favorite. I'm going to be taking them on the money line. Utah State entered into their game against SMU, shooting 44.7% from three, and they're still shooting 42.4% from the outside. But I think that we're starting to see three-point shooting regression from this team, and they're going up against a Washington State bunch that they do a nice job of being able to get their style. And their style is playing super-duper slow, having things very controlled. Washington State right around 100th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Washington in the bottom 40 in terms of total possessions per game as well, which I think is going to be very big. And Muhammad Gabe has been able to do a great job for this Washington State team down low. He's been able to give them 8 rebounds, 13 points per contest. Sable Pop 3 doesn't necessarily do so very well, but I think that he's going to be a critical part of this game against the Utah State Punch, in which they rank outside the top 125 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis themselves. They're going up against a Washington State defense that also, by the way, is allowing opponents in a road and neutral court environment to shoot 26.3% from three-point range. That is a top 20 mark in all of college basketball. Now, Utah State should be able to get still some of their Steve Ashworth to be able to give you 18 points, 4 emphasis, shooting over 50% from three once again. I'm expecting a little bit of regression there. Sean Barristow, 11 points. He shoots 43.5% from the outside. Got a pair of guys in Taylor Funk and Daniel Aiken. They've got the Funk. They give you a combined 14 rebounds per contest. Funk is able to give you 14.5 points. She's 39.5% for three. Aiken, 13 points. Really doesn't give you a lot from the outside, but didn't really like what I saw out of Z. Hamoda, he had a really rough game against SMU. He's been up and down all season. They now have Ryland Jones back in fold as well, but for Washington State, this team has some guys that are able to bomb it from three-point range as well. It's Justin Boom Boom Powell, along with TJ Bamba and Jay Mullins are all shooting at least 40% from three-point range. Powell's your main facilitator. 10.5 points, 3.5 assists per game. Bamba, he's been able to go off for about 16.5 points and 4.5 rebounds per game. And Mullins, who was out of the fold for a little bit to begin the season, he's averaging 13 points per game. Hasn't quite looked like himself since coming off of injury. Combined 15 points the last two games, but he should be able to provide enough along with some like 
DJ Rodman, who's able to give you six boards, seven points, a little bit over a seal per game to really disrupt things with this Utah State team. Now, with Washington State, the big fear with them, 14 turnovers per game, but Utah State, they force fewer than five seals per contest. They aren't a team that's going to be able to exploit the main weakness that you've got with Washington State. I do think that things are going to be a little bit more up and down. I do think that things are going to be sped up. And Washington State, they're going to allow a few more threes than they typically do in a normal game. But I still think that Washington State's defense is going to be able to hold up. And I think that this is just truly a bad matchup for Utah State. Set Washington State as a one and a half point favorite. I'm going to take them as a money line underdog. I also did set my total at 141 and a half. I think we could see a scenario where we've got some late game felling. So also going to be taking a look at this total over and we wrap things up with 899 900 on the board hawaii is going to be playing host to smu smu is between a four and a five point underdog your talents game is between 133 and a half and 134 and a half and i set my number at five and a half with hawaii i'm willing to lay up to the five that we're seeing right now not willing to go any further but any number that's on the board i'm willing to lay it with hawaii you've had a pair of guys that do a great job on the glass bernardo da silva kameka Epa. these guys have been able to give you a combined 13 and a half rebounds for him Epa. he's been able to give you 12 and a half points shooting 40 percent from three hawaii they're a little bit down with their three-point shooting from a season ago they're at 33 and a half percent from distance this year but Hawaii has a very distinct style of playing at one of the slower styles that we are going to find in all of college basketball. They're in the bottom 40, as a matter of fact, in terms of possessions per game in Hawaii. They're currently 15th in the country in opponents' three-point shooting percentage and at home. Opponents are shooting just 23% from three-point range against them. That is, if you take a look at it, a top 20 mark in all of college basketball. And they're going up against an SMU team that they've really been able to step up in this tournament Prior to coming to Hawaii, though, they were doing a whole bunch of nothing. Now, Zurich Phelps and Zach Nadal, these two guys have really been able to step up. Overall for the season, their combined average just under 34 points per contest. With Nadal, he has been able to give you 13-plus points in four out of the last five games, 20-plus points in three out of the last five. Neither of these guys overall for the season have been great three-point shooters, but things have really been turning around for them out here in Hawaii as SMU entered into this tournament, shooting about 28.8% from three-point range. In this tournament, they're shooting more around 40% from three-point range. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression there. SMU overall for the season, about 145th in the country in terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis. They've got two really good rebounders, F.E. Obadiji, along with Samuel Williamson. They're combining for 15 rebounds, and they're also giving you 17.5 points per contest. Throwing there at the fact that Williamson is able to give you a little bit over two assists per game, and that's big because Phelps and Nadal, these two guys, they combine for about five rebounds per game, but that is about it. And when it comes to SMU, you really don't have a lot of depth outside of your main starting five. You don't have a single guy that gives you a really north of three points per contest, Jalen Smith. He's been able to shoot 37.5% from three, but he's got in a combined 15 minutes in the Diamond Eye Classic, four points. You just really need a little bit more out of them. Meanwhile, Noah Coleman, he's done a great job at the trigger spot for Hawaii, giving you two and a half assists, 15 points, 1.3 steals per game. Really the straw that serves the drink for this team. And then Jovan McClanahan, he's able to chip in their two and a half assists. She's 37.5% from three-point range. And now they've been able to get a little bit more down low out of more sec. He's a seven foot one freshman that comes in from Senegal. He had in eight minutes six rebounds in that game against Washington State. He's proving that he's able to provide a little bit of size and a little bit of depth for Hawaii. And I think that that's much needed for a team that hangs right on defense. I do think that SMU going to be coming back down to earth in this spot. I did set my total out of one thirty and a half, looking under and with Hawaii. Want to lay up to five with them, and that will wrap things up for the Christmas Day edition of Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Beeson family of podcast. Whatever holiday you are celebrating, hopefully you're doing. Some 
So with friends, family, loved ones, and hopefully I was able to make you a little bit of money today. We shall hope on that. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Good Good Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters DM, they mean does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way, that's fine, an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day this season on this podcast. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.